When it comes to receiving end-of-life care in the Empire State, New Yorkers may end up receiving services from a nonprofit organization, or amid a growing national trend, they could find themselves in a for-profit establishment. To discuss the difference, as well as legislation establishing a state office of hospice and palliative care, access and quality, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Corinne Carey, the Senior State Director for Compassion and Choices in New York and New Jersey. Welcome back to the show, Corinne. Thanks, David, for having me. So when it comes to end-of-life care through a hospice, what does the landscape look like in New York right now? For example, is the field primarily dominated by nonprofit options? And generally speaking, are there enough hospice options to begin with? It's a good question, but it's got some tricky answers. I would say that there are not enough hospices for the the wide geographic scope that we have here in New York. In fact, for example, we've got 40 counties that only have one hospice serving them, and that one hospice may serve additional counties. The majority of hospices in New York are nonprofit. There are two for-profit hospices in New York, and uh, I, I would imagine a, a list of for-profit hospices that would like to establish business in New York. The paradox is, though, that not everyone who is eligible for and could benefit from hospice is receiving it, not exactly because of the shortage of hospices. There are there are other barriers to receiving hospice care, like a lack of awareness of what hospice does. And I could talk about more of the barriers, but it's it's sort of it's not so much that there aren't enough, although in certain geographic areas, uh, there's certainly not enough patient choice. Well, yeah, you mentioned hospice services. What can they consist of? Because it's more than just potentially going into, say, an institutional setting for the end of your life. That's right. It's really important for your listeners to understand that hospice is not a place. Hospice is a set of services that are provided to both a person who is in the final weeks and maybe months of their life, um, but it's also a set of services for their caregivers, their family members, their loved ones. And those services could range from, you know, a visiting nurse uh, to clergy support, social work support, and logistics. Um, But I, I think the other thing that's important to note is that when you qualify for hospice care and hospice comes into the home, it's not a full-time caregiving service. People aren't receiving round-the-clock care. That is, I think, a, a harsh reality for people once they do seek or accept hospice care. They think that they might be getting more than they are, but for the most part, families uh, are the primary caregivers with support from hospice, unless you are in a position to pay for private care in the home. Well, when it comes to the health outcomes related to these services, and maybe health outcomes isn't the best description, but maybe the experience that people have, is there publicly accessible data that sheds light on if there's any differentiation between the experience of someone utilizing nonprofit services versus for-profit services? Is there a clear contrast? I would say that there are some limited studies that show that there are differences in quality of care, but they are they're not so great that it justifies, in my mind, banning for-profits from the landscape. I know that there's a lot of concern because of a series of exposés that were published over the past 
several years about for-profit health systems um, gobbling up hospices in other states. And there is, a, I think, an appropriate level of concern here in New York about that. But you've also got a problem that, you know, there's not a lot of patient choice in New York. And when you when you have for-profits coming in, and you know, there are, you know, there are for-profits that are in it for the profit of it. And then there are businesses that come in with more altruistic motives that happen to be for-profit. And so I, I don't think it's a bright line that for-profits are bad and nonprofits are good. I think the problems with hospice transcend whether it's for-profit or nonprofit. And what's really important is looking to see whether there's enough patient choice in New York and looking to see whether there's enough oversight to ensure that there are proper guardrails to protect patient safety and deliver quality services. Well, currently, how does a person's financial standing impact both their access to services as well as the quality of services? For example, if someone is utilizing Medicaid, are the reimbursement rates so low that the services won't even accept them or they can't get into good facilities? Or is it the case where if you are privately wealthy, you can afford the best? How different is the picture? Well, look, I think it's no surprise that in our healthcare system, having resources absolutely matters. That said, nonprofit hospices that provide services to Medicaid, Medicare patients are doing a phenomenal job. And people have really beautiful end-of-life experiences, very peaceful end-of-life experiences. They can with quality hospice care, no matter what the income level. There's always going to be an issue of who is actually providing the primary care in the home. And so, you know, some people may argue that family members being those primary caretakers is, is, is the role that they, that they want in their families. Other people feel overwhelmed with that caregiving and supplementing with visiting healthcare professionals oftentimes does come down to money. So it's it's complicated, but I do want to note that nonprofits that provide care to folks with very few resources are also um, delivering excellent care. But, you know, the quality of care is really about the people that are delivering the services. And one of the one of the things that I think people are concerned about in New York is maybe a lack of oversight. Uh, and a lack of coordination. And certainly these hospices, as so many of our institutions are facing, they're facing workforce challenges. You know, there are for-profit hospices that can pay more than nonprofit hospices. That can mean the difference between quality care and care that may be less than standard or less than excellent. Um, but I, again, I don't think it falls, I think it's really dependent on who's running it, uh, what the values and priorities are for those hospices, rather than the for-profit, non-profit divide. Well, I want to talk about oversight, but first, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. Uh, we're talking about hospice care in New York, and our guest is Corinne Carey, the Senior State Director for Compassion and Choices in New York and New Jersey. And when it comes to oversight by state regulators, do you feel like they are active enough in this space? And do they have a broad enough authority through existing statute to really police this industry in a meaningful way? 
I don't think so, David. And I think that that's why for the past several years, there's been a bill pending in the legislature sponsored by Assemblymember Wallace in the Assembly and Senator Michelle Hinchy, which would amend our public health law to establish the Office of Palliative Care Access and Quality within the Department of Health. And so I know that there, there are folks that are looking for the Department of Health to step up and take a more active role in ensuring uh, access and quality in hospice care delivery. So is that just about re-examining what is needed with a state office, or is this about creating an entity that is solely dedicated and specializing in this responsibility? It's creating an entity, and I think that that may be why uh, the bill has been vetoed in the past. And, you know, I don't know what Governor Hochul will do with the bill this time around. Uh, I think she ought to sign it. I understand Uh, that, you know, she doesn't want to create more bureaucracy um, within the Department of Health, but something, something has to be done um, to look at dual issues, right? Because I raised the issue that not all of the folks who are eligible and could benefit from care are receiving it. And we can talk about what some of those barriers are, but we've got to address it because New York ranks 50th among all states in appropriate utilization of hospice care for Medicare decedents. That means that about 30% of Medicare decedents in New York State pass utilizing hospice care. That means that 60% who are eligible, just and this is just the Medicare population, 60% of them are not receiving hospice services. The national average, David, is, is close to 51%. So why is the hospice utilization so low in New York. We've got to address that and we've got to address quality of care issues that are, and they are linked, I believe. Well, can you answer that question you posed on utilization? Yeah, I think that there are at least four reasons why folks are not accessing hospice care. The first is awareness. You know, there's just a lot of misconceptions about what hospice is. There are a lot of people who say, well, you know, I I watched my aunt go into hospice and she died several days later. So hospice is a place to go to die or hospice caused my aunt's death. Well, hospice is for people in the last six months of their lives and people do die, but that, but the mission of hospice is to neither prolong nor hasten death. It's a place where people can figure out what their goals and priorities are about their end of life care and get help in realizing them. So there's awareness, misconception about what hospice is. The other is that there are too few referrals from doctors who are treating terminally ill patients, and those referrals come too late in the process. So oftentimes people get into hospice and they die within 72 hours later. That was my that was my father's experience with hospice. Um, you know, I would not have been able to deal with my dad's death with the grace that I did were it not for the loving and caring professionals of hospice. But my dad should have been referred to hospice months before he was. He got 72 hours of the benefit of hospice. So there's referrals that are coming too little and too late. As I mentioned, the availability of hospice, there are certain regions in the state where, you know, if you don't want to receive hospice from 
one particular institution, there are no other choices. Or if that institution has policies that are not consistent with your values and beliefs, there are very few alternatives in some areas of the state. And then finally, and I think this is one we don't talk about enough, experience that loved ones or an acquaintance have with hospice care really colors people's willingness to enter hospice when the time comes. So for example, if your family had a good experience with hospice, that will cement in a family's memory that hospice care is the key to a good death. A bad one, a bad experience that a loved one or a friend or someone else that you know has in hospice will deter family members from ever having that experience again. And so I think it's really important that we pay attention to this quality issue as well. Because a component of entering hospice is that you're ending any sort of efforts to prolong your life, is there a culture change that needs to happen in society before people will more willingly embrace hospice care? Because it seems like it's counterintuitive to almost every other aspect of the healthcare system and what people expect from the healthcare system, which is to, you know, keep on fighting long after you might have even exhausted reasonable hope? I'll answer that question in two ways. First of all, I think that there is a major culture shift happening where people are becoming much more willing to talk about death and dying. There's a growing what they call death positivity movement of people who are you know, affirming the value of life, but accepting the inevitability of death and recognizing that denying that death is going to come does not deter death. It doesn't, it doesn't postpone it. Uh, it will come for all of us. And it's, it's better to have conversations about the kind of care that you want and the kind of care that you don't want. It's a gift to your loved ones to do that kind of planning. And it's really a gift to your loved ones to enter hospice because there's so much that both you as, as a person who may be facing the end of your life and your family can get out of it. So I do think that that culture change is, is happening. There are also some studies that show that it should not be the case that people need to give up curative treatment in order to access hospice services. There are some studies that show that allowing people to pursue a dual track of seeking curative treatment and also receiving hospice lessens the burdens on the healthcare system tremendously. So I think it's a, it's an outstanding question and there's good research happening, um, but, but you're right. In order to access hospice here in New York State, you must forego curative treatment. And that in and of itself is a deterrent for some people because very few people wanna actually give up when, when they think that there might be a chance. Well, finally, Corinne, I think most listeners or people who are following state government might only know Compassion and Choices in the context of its advocacy for medical aid and dying, essentially legislation that would give New Yorkers more control over how they end up dying. But I'm curious how that type of legislation might impact the utilization of hospice care, because it seems to go hand in hand with that idea of being more uh, upfront and engaging with uh, our mortality. It really is, David. I think that, you know, one of the things that people don't understand about medical aid and dying is that it's not an either or. 
um, hospice and medical aid and dying go hand in hand. The vast majority of people who access medical aid and dying in states that authorize it um, are already receiving hospice services. And what we found in the 11 jurisdictions that have authorized medical aid and dying is that hospital, hospice utilization rates go up and the quality of care increases as well because patients feel more free to talk about what kind of care they want and what kind of care they don't want at the end of their lives. Well, we've been speaking with Corinne Carey. She is the Senior State Director for Compassion and Choices in New York and New Jersey. Corinne, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.